0: Hey, welcome to the Relentless Positivity Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Martin. I got my friend Amber James on here. She's an amazing person. I want you to hear her story and what she can offer you today. So Amber, thank you for coming on.
1: Joe, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoy um, having this time to talk to you today.
0: It's always good to hang out. So I appreciate you <laughs> yes. coming on. Amber's <laughs> at the beach right now and still doing this for me. So this is a big favor. So thank you for coming on. So tell me, uh, a little bit so of, uh, tell, tell me about your background and where you grew up.
1: Sure. So I grew up um, initially in Wisconsin. I'm from New London, Wisconsin. Um, lived there until I was five. Um, our house burned down in the middle of the wintertime. And my dad said, that is enough of that. No more snow, He thought. So we uh, traversed all the way down to Atala, Alabama, where my mom's family lived. Um, and we lived in what I called Livingstonville at the time because my aunt and uncle and then my granny, and my other aunt and then us and my aunt and uncle, we all lived in this little side of the hill together. Um, did that for about five years. And then my dad got a job um, in Aniana in what used to be um, called the JTPA program, the Jobs Pre- Training Program Act um, program, where he would teach um, electrical work and um, woodworking and plumbing to um, some people who were on unemployment. Because back then you could actually learn a trade while you were on unemployment and still collect unemployment. So he did that. We moved out to Aneana, um, lived out there for four years with no running water Um, because my dad was also one of those kind of people who wanted to do everything himself. And um, where we lived, there was no city water, no cable, you know, things of that nature. So for four years, we lived out there kind of like we were camping, um, but we had electricity. Um, And then we finally got a well. Um, I grew up out there. Then I went to Susan Moore High School, graduated from there, Um, went to UAB, got an undergraduate degree in music, Um, went back and got a master's degree in business, and then finally got my act together when I was about twenty six or twenty-seven and went back to law school. So and then I went to Birmingham School of Law. I met my husband Kirk. I moved up north um, to Huntsville and have been there pretty much ever since. So
0: Oh, that old story where you're living yeah. with no <laughs> running water, get yes. a music degree and then the next thing you you know,
1: I mean we've yeah, all Yeah, no, done no, that. I love her. Yeah, yeah, we've all <laughs> we all have a story or a journey we've been on. That That's that was true. my my winding turns, so.
0: so what, what's the journey from music to business to law? What was that? What was your thinking there?
1: Well, I mean, I got a degree in music because it's what I knew. Um, as a, I started band uh, playing clarinet when I was in fifth grade. I um, figured I was pretty good at it. I, I made, but um, in the music world, it's called first chair. That's a big deal. You're like the head of yeah. the section. I made first chair by eighth grade, um, was first chair all county in eighth grade, Um, So I knew I was good at music. Um, I didn't know what else I would be really good at. I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know what I would be good at. So I um, picked music because it was what I was good at, Um, decided I didn't want to go music, the music education route, because I really didn't think I wanted to teach, Um, but I ended up teaching after a while. Um, But then I decided, um, I really felt like the urge to go to law school at the time, but it was something I just, I didn't think I could pursue. So I went on to get an MBA. Um, and then while I had my MBA, you have an undergraduate in music. It's kind of hard to find a job, um, in that particular field, unless you're trying to go into music business, um, went back to UAB, kind of piddled around in some classes, trying to figure out my life, um, until, you know, a professor and God kind of smacked me in the head one night and said, you know, you really need to go to law school. That's where you're meant to be. Um, and so I, um, Kind of overcame the fear of, of failing at that, and decided it was time to make that leap. So I got a job at a law firm, started going to law school at night, and that's how I landed, you know, doing law in general. So
0: wow, well, my wife had, she's not she's a nurse, but she got a microbiology degree, went and okay. got an MBA and a master's in public health, and then went to nursing. School. She kind of went, yeah. went just loves school, so she's a, a right
1: student. So
0: um, I'm yes. I'm the opposite, whatever the opposite of that is. So. Um, <laughs> So you, you can go many different routes in the sure. law firm area. Why, why family law?
1: Well, I wouldn't, I knew I was called to help hurting people. So that night when, you know, my professor and, and God kind of smacked me in the face, I, I say that just that brutally, because I had a professor um, in a constitutional law class at UAB who said, what are you doing and why are you not, you know, in law school? Why haven't you gone that path? Um, and I said, I just don't, I don't think I can, like, how am I going to do that? I was um, separated from my son's father and, I didn't know how I was going to support a little boy and go to law school and, and you know do all the things that needed to be done, um, but I prayed really hard that night on the way home. Um, you know, God, if this is what you want for me, you're going to have to make this like super abundantly clear and make the path very straight. Um, and that's something that's great about God is every time He, I know he's called me to something, he's made the path very straight for that to happen. Um, so I knew in that conversation and those prayers that I was to help hurting people. So when I started law school, I actually worked in a personal injury law firm thinking, well, that makes sense. People are hurt when they come to a personal injury law firm. And I'd had some experience in my personal life with I'm kind of personal injury issues and that my mom had been hit by an 18 wheeler my senior year in high school. um, And my dad had gone through a disability claim um, because he had some knee injuries. Um, So I knew some about hurting people and what that looked like physically. Um, So I went to work for um, a law firm in Birmingham that did personal injury work. And I was miserable. Like I loved it the first few months because it was something new and exciting. Yep. Um, but then over time, it became like I knew that this was not what I was called to do. Um, and then I was blessed that a friend of mine helped me find a different job working for Judge um, Ferguson in the Domestic Relations Court in Birmingham. Um, In Birmingham, they have courts that are set up for specific kinds of law. So this um, judge heard divorces and child custody proceedings all day, every day. Um, And then I I experienced it. I went through a divorce and then I met my current husband who had also been through a divorce. So I had some personal experience with the pain of what that looks like. um, And then sitting there with Judge Ferguson and being able to see those people and those parties come before the court, it became abundantly clear to me that nobody hurts more than those people who are losing the dream of their marriage or who are fighting over um, who's going to get to see their children win. Um, And so I knew that that was my calling. And so when I started practicing law, I just started doing family law and God has blessed that, you know, over the last 14 years.
0: So people have heard the term family law, but what is, what all does that (laughs) encompass?
1: Sure, it it encompasses a broad area of things, so for our particular firm what family law means is we deal with divorces child support child custody adoptions surrogacy um, any kind of modifications of those orders we deal with helping um, victims of domestic violence obtain protection orders. Um, and try to figure out, you know, a plan of how to remain safe, a safety plan for them. We also help parents who have children, whose children have been removed from them by the Department of Human Resources for various and sundry issues, um, some valid and some not as valid, but, you know, trying to help people through that very difficult time um, in their lives. So if it touches or concerns the makeup of your family, either putting it together or taking it apart, um, those are the kind of things that we we take care of.
0: Okay. So you talked about a little bit, your personal experience. So I wanted to have you on today, mainly because you're an expert in this, um, putting the child first in a divorce, right. which is something yes. that you see all the time, people doing the opposite of that. So you've learned a few yes. things and I wanted to share that with people. You've told me some things. So kind of how, sure. how can people go about that?
1: Sure. The first thing is remember, it's not about you you know, as a person. It's not about me, when you know, my son's father and I got divorced and, and that's part of it, calling him my son's father or your dad in a positive way, not going, your dad did this or your dad did that. But when I talked to Nick, your dad, or, you know, and when I talked to other people, my son's father, um, I remember that it's not about me. And it's not about my own feelings or my personal feelings about uh, my son's father. It's about my son and about his love for both of his families. And now he's got four sides of his family, you know, because he has a stepmom and a stepdad. So he had grandparents on all sides. Um, And It's about making sure that you put your child and their needs first and ahead of your own. And that can be difficult after a divorce because you're dealing with your own hurt feelings and your own anger and frustration. But you have to remember that those feelings are yours. And they're about you you and your former spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend sorting out those feelings that you have toward each other, putting those aside and putting your child and their needs first. You know, a child needs to be able to look into the stands and see both their mom and their dad. Or, you know, look from the stage to see both mom and dad in the audience and be okay with that and not have anxiety over how is this interaction going to go? Like if if I come off the field and I go talk to mom, is dad going to be angry? So you have to put all those your own selfish feelings aside and, and put theirs first. You know, the second thing is to be flexible. Um, kids are going to have different needs and different desires. Um, it, you know, you've got to schedule a, a visitation. Nick's dad and I had a first and third weekend, Friday to Sunday, 30 days in the summer, a week at Christmas and every other Thanksgiving. And if I added up the number of days Nick could have seen his dad under that order, it would have been about 80 days a year. And that's not a lot when you really think about it. I mean, there's 365 days in a year. 80 days of that is not even a quarter of the year. So right. it was important for us to be flexible. It was also important because Nick's dad um, at the time was a car salesman. So he didn't, he worked all day Saturday, but he was off on Monday. So our weekend would go from Saturday until Tuesday or Saturday, you know, whatever worked for his schedule. And then as kids get older, they have their own schedules. Um, as I have you know, figured out with a 20 year old and a 15 year old now, they have their own schedules in life and so being flexible to make sure that you still have time with them but around the schedules that they have of activities you've just got to be flexible the more flexible you are the better adjusted your children are going to be you also number three I always have my five tips these are my five you know first is remember um, it's not about you second is to be flexible third is to allow your children to talk about the other parent in a loving and caring way with you um, and allow them to love both sides of the family without being jealous of that. If you're if you're the mom and your child comes to you and talks about all the fun things they did with dad this weekend, instead of getting your feelings heard about, just say, hey, that is so awesome. I'm so glad you had such a great time with your dad this weekend. Um, it could be, you know, having that other parent's photo in that child's room. Um, Nick has a photo album of his dad and I in his room. Um, I've never told him he can't have that or shouldn't have that. Um, and, but I see that a lot in cases where parents come to me and say, well, they want to keep a picture of their dad in their room or their mom in their room. And I just don't know how I feel about that. Well, that's their dad or their mom in their room. Um, They need to be allowed to have those pictures and photographs. They need to be allowed to have those loving relationships with all sides. Number four is to allow the children to take cherished items back and forth between homes. Um, Some of the saddest things I see is when a child gets a new toy at dad's house and is not allowed to bring it to mom's house or the other way around. Like for the child, it's their thing and they don't really understand why it can't come and go. Um, Some of the best co-parents I've seen will actually allow the um, child to even take their pet back and forth between houses, because that allows the child to have the thing that brings them comfort in both places. um, And let's everybody have to. they have to communicate about the exchange of the dog and the care of the dog and things like that. So it shows the child that, hey, even though we're not together, we can work together for you. And then the last one is to never make assumptions when you're communicating with your ex-spouse. So I think that's important in communicating with people in general, Absolutely, You know, yeah. not making assumptions about what the other person is saying. But it, particularly in a divorce situation or a breakup of a boyfriend and girlfriend, um, those communications, you, you make a lot of assumptions. Well, you said this because. Well, you don't know if they said that because or not. It's better just to. Clarify, you know, I heard you say this. Is that really what you meant? You know, or this is how I received what you said. Is that really what you meant? Because those little assumptions along the way cause hurt feelings and cause a greater divide in that communication. So it's important to be able to communicate and to not make assumptions when you are communicating with your former spouse if you want to put your child first.
0: Man, those are some great tips right there.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you.
0: If if I was to summarize, I would just say uh, be a grown up about it. You know, it's, that's right it, <laughs> it, that's being incredible. I mean, it's, yeah. it's so hard all that stuff so hard especially right. when your feelings are hurt or maybe someone cheated on someone else but right. you, if you keep the kid first that's what you say all the time is, you know hey, mm-hmm. it's not about you that's parenting in general right it's not about right. you
1: yeah it's not about you
0: no yeah so those are some great tips i appreciate that so what are, what are <laughs> something a kid could do if the parents aren't acting right is there some resources that kids have or something you can help them with like say the parents aren't acting mm-hmm. right what what can they do mm-hmm.
1: Um if they're in school, the best thing they can do is talk to their school counselor about the things that they're feeling. Now, a school counselor may or may not have, you know the level of uh, a training or education that say, a marriage counselor, or a psychologist or therapist would have, but it gives the child an outlet, an unbiased outlet who's not attached to mom or dad to talk about. but a child also needs to be able to talk about their own feelings. So if, you know, mom is talking ugly about Dad, the child needs to have the the skills and the ability to look at mom and say, mom, it really upsets me when you talk about my dad that way, because I understand that you may not like dad, but I still love dad, you know, but not all the children have those skills and those um, techniques to do that. So usually their first outlet is to a teacher um, or pastor, a Sunday school teacher or a school counselor, and that gives them kind of initial ally to talk to who can then you know, help them strategize and plan for how to talk to their parents about those concerns.
0: That's great. Yeah. Just having that extra ear is always helpful. So, um, all right. So that's, that's the business side. Now I want people to get to to know the real you. You're an interesting (laughs) person. Uh, So i put together some questions. Uh, The first one, what makes you mad?
1: disrespectful people make me mad um my mom taught me to say please and thank you and yes ma'am and no ma'am um, and when people are disrespectful which i think we see a whole lot in our society um now it really makes me angry so um just we, we've learned that or, well let me that's the best way to put this in society right now we can't communicate with one another respectfully we don't respect each other's opinions or differences of opinion um, or the different backgrounds each of us have. And so I think the most important thing we could do to even heal our society is to have respect for one another and just say, you know what, I don't have to agree with you about everything, but I respect your ability or your right to have that opinion. And let's have um, open and polite dialogue about the differences we have. Um, That's not what's going on what we see on TV anymore. It's not what we see amongst our our leaders anymore. Um, But I think if we could all get back to being more respectful, um, you know, I've taught my kids the same thing, You, you have to be respectful, even if you don't agree with someone else's opinion, you can still respect them as a human being and respect their value as a human being and just, you know, agree to disagree about certain things, but be respectful.
0: Absolutely. I think it's much easier to be disrespectful when you're on the internet or the yes. person can see like face-to-face, a little tougher. Plus, you're seeing it in some of these clips too. Some people are getting beat up because yeah. they're not very oh,
1: yeah.
0: face-to-face, right. you know?
1: That's what way yeah, it used
0: to yeah. be. Yeah. All right, so what's, the, uh, what's your guilty pleasure?
1: Dark chocolate is my guilty pleasure. Dark I chocolate. love all forms of dark chocolate that I
0: can get my hands on. So, yeah. I think we can all agree with that. See, that's how people yes. get there. Common ground chocolate. That's
1: right. Yeah. Chocolate is fantastic.
0: Yeah. All right. What's well, something you failed at? It could be personally or professionally. And how did sure. you learn from that?
1: So I, I put a lot of thought into trying to figure out, you know, what are my failures that I think have been you know the biggest ones that have, have struck me or have the biggest impact on me over my lifetime. And really I've discovered there's a theme of when I have failed and why I failed. Um, my fail, you know, there's a, the, I see it on t-shirts all the time, the little equation where it says faith is greater than fear Mm -hmm. Um, and when I have allowed that equation to be flipped where my fear was greater than my faith that's when I have failed or when I've not taken steps that I should have so earlier when I was talking about going to law school and I finished my undergraduate said I really wanted to go to law school I I felt called to law i loved law since I was a small child watching Perry Mason and Matlock with my dad so I knew that that's something I really wanted to do, but I didn't believe enough in myself and I didn't have enough faith both in myself and, and in God to have called me to that, to have followed along. So I was, you know, I ended up being about five years behind where my colleagues are because I ended up getting, passing the bar exam when I was 30 years old versus when I was 25 years old. So I do think there were experiences then that I had in that time that formed and changed who I was and in, in the area of law I went into. Um, but I've always been blessed too, when I failed that God has somehow always redeemed that thing. You know, so to me, my my greatest professional failure was probably in not recognizing that my faith needed to have been stronger so I could have started law school sooner. Um, of course, I don't know what you know. When you do that, when you pull one string, you never know how that has you know That's the right. thing that happens later on. My greatest personal failure is something that um, is very difficult for me to talk about, but it was um, as an adult, my mom became an alcoholic. And when, um, in 2015, I had to ask, she lived with me and I asked her to move home. Um, I said, you know, if you, you can either get sober and live with me or you can continue to drink and go home. Um, and she chose to drink and go home. Um, and it took me a long time. She ended up dying in the next year around mother's day of 2016. And I didn't forgive her before she passed. And I didn't have that conversation with her of, you know, Mom, I understand that you were a broken and hurt person, and that you drank to self-medicate. I didn't have that conversation with her. I, I, she died with me still being very angry um, at her for, um, you know, for becoming an alcoholic. She'd been an alcoholic in her younger years, was sober during my childhood, and as an adult, um, she, you know, she had fallen back into that pattern. So my greatest personal failure is not taking the time to really process those feelings and forgiving her before she passed.
0: Wow. That's tough right there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was a tough, I mean, it's, it's taken many years to both forgive her and to forgive myself for not recognizing that. Um, And so that's one of the things I try to instill, um, you know, distinctly both in my children and my clients um, and in my staff is the importance of forgiving and letting go. And that forgiveness is really for you. It's for you to find that healing, Um, but to try to repair those relationships for you, you know, before there's the time when you cannot do that any longer.
0: Wow, that's powerful right
1: there. Thank you. Uh,
0: So what's your favorite book?
1: I have two. So um, I have a personal favorite book, like a a thing that's like my guilty reading pleasure, I guess you'd say, and then a professional book. So my favorite book that I read um, is A Lesson Before Dying by Ernest Gaines. Um, It's set in the 1940s. Um, It's about kind of the the legal process. This poor gentleman, he's an African American gentleman, goes through. Um, he happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, um, and gets convicted of murder and is on death row. And it's about his community um, and his family and wanting him to receive this education before he passes. But I became very attached to, um, you know, the main character and him, you know, his, the plight and the journey he went through. So that was I read it in a weekend. Like I started reading it and I couldn't put it down. So that's my favorite personal kind of like guilty pleasure book. Um, My favorite professional book is essentialism. Um, And I'm working very hard and very diligently on getting my life down to the things that are indeed essential and the things that are, you know, not essential necessarily. So
0: that's a good book. I've read that one. That was good. Yeah. Now I haven't (laughs) put it into effect for per se, but I've read it. That's step one, right?
1: Right. I think it's a journey. I like, I, I probably need to reread it because over time you start adding back things into your life that just it naturally and you have to kind of revisit over time so.
0: that's true all right so this is the most important question right here okay I'm i have ready. To, i have to read it to make sure i don't mess up the numbers okay so, okay would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck and why you got to defend okay. your answer here it's all right
1: okay all right let me give this some thought so 100 duck-sized horses or one yeah. horse-sized duck okay yes yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go with, I would rather fight one horse size duck. And okay. let me tell you why I think that horses are fast, right? They're super fast. And so you have a hundred little tiny horses. Well, not, I guess they're, you know, ducks are not teeny tiny, but you've got these big, you know, and they're going to move fast and there's a hundred of them. So they could swarm me and, and I'd be in trouble. But if I've got one horse-sized duck, like that duck is, ducks are not necessarily known for being graceful or fast in their running. So I think I can maybe outmaneuver the, you uh, know, and, and wear it out, you know, wear out the, the horse-sized duck a little faster. So I think, so. I think I'm going to go with that.
0: Horses got those hooves too, man. You don't want to. Right. Let me do some math. Four hundred hooves all up on right.
1: you, right? Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, no. I can kind of see them circling me, you know, and like yeah, just taking me yeah. down. Like it would be a bad thing. So
0: I agree. I mean, I, well, what's one big duck gonna do? I mean, but if but if yeah. you did get killed by one large duck, would not that be a heck of a way to go, though.
1: That would be a heck of a way to go for sure. It'd be a story a way, for the for the but ages. Yeah, yeah. Good answer. <laughs> I like
0: your uh, I like your reasoning on there. So,
1: all right, so we're gonna, uh, we're
0: gonna hit some sponsors, and then you're, you'll okay. be. Thank you for coming on. So, first okay, one is no gonna problem. be apparel lab look how swanky oh, this T-shirt looks it's a, i think it's pretty cool very nice mm-hmm. so very soft i know you can't feel it through a podcast but very <laughs> soft shirts very high quality <laughs> stuff apparel labs where you go the apparel lab at gmail is where you would email them and, and use promo code relentless you save you some money so if you wanted to print mm-hmm. your husband's face on shirts like i'm sure you do yes. want to you know father's day is coming up mm-hmm. you know that's where you go they've done that i did it for judge for the judge not too long ago, Billy Bell got his face, mm-hmm. his own face on his own shirt. He's very happy with it. And I think That's he's awesome. It. So, the Apparel Lab at Gmail, check them out. Uh, nice guy, my friend Dominic Garver. So, he's the Rocket City Mortgage mm-hmm. Guy.com. So, mm-hmm. what he's doing is going to save you money because, well, I called him up. I was going to, hey, I need to see if I can save some money on my house. And he mm-hmm. said, looked at my numbers and said, uh, you're good. You don't need anything. So, he didn't try to mm-hmm. sell me on a bunch of other stuff because I'm a sucker. Mm-hmm. He knows I'm a sucker. He could have <laughs> sold me all kind of stuff I didn't need. So, uh, right. Recently, he, with a local veteran, he, he was able to save them 10 years off their mortgage and lower their payment and let him get some money out to build himself a pool. That's what I'm talking about. right? That's so pretty awesome. Yeah. A, his phone number is 256 714 1429 or rocketcitymortgageguy.com. Dominic Garver, friend of mine, known him for years. He'll help you out and he'll shoot you straight, give you a great rate. I mean, I'm rhyming for him <laughs> over here. So, and then the last one right here, you know, Huntsville's growing, right? It's going to be the biggest yes. city in Alabama how are you going to get out and explore? I'll tell you how you're going to get out. And explore explore huntsville.com slash Joe. Mm-hmm. So it's a free app you can get, and it's got all the stuff mm-hmm. you might need. So I want to go on there and download that their summer guide. So all the pools, what's going on with the pools, splash pads, movies, all the free stuff going on, download that. And that's just a part of it. This thing is huge. It's got turn by turn directions in there. I mean, this thing is, I wow. would say it's robust so it's Rocket City Mom, you know, them the the giant Rocket City mom Mm -hmm. and the visitors bureau coming together like uh like the two stooges two of the three stooges working together right here. So the explorehuntsville.com slash joe go on there get a free app otherwise if you go to explorehuntsville.com without the slash joe five thousand dollars for this app but if you go to the slash joe Mm -hmm. free all right so go out check that out go explore huntsville amber thank you so much for coming on and thank you so much for what you're doing for our community especially what you're doing for the kids
1: out there Thank you. I appreciate it very much.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Please rate, review, share, all that good stuff. Help the positivity get out there in the world. You have a great day.